Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today on the show, we talk about sibling conflicts, sibling rivalry, uh, kids not getting along together in your family, whatever you want to call it. Um, that is our topic of conversation today. And we brought two brilliant therapists, Dr. Matt Smith, who uh, we just talked to about ADHD a few weeks ago, and Lauren Wentz, who came on to talk with us about um, how do we support our kids as they are um, constantly uh, fighting, arguing, um, engaging in conflict, again, whatever term you want to use, together. Um, we, we wanted to talk about this particularly because uh, we've heard several requests for this particular topic, but also um, feels like, you know, when you get into those winter doldrums of um, there's just school and school and school and school and the monotony of the routine and the schedule, um, it, it can be tough for kids to um, grapple with that. So that said, we wanted to talk with Dr. Matt Smith and Lauren Wentz about that, and we did. It was incredible and helpful um, and great. And so uh, you'll hear that interview here in just a second. Two things I want to remind you of before we get there. Uh, number one, our online Cultivate Connection course registration is open. So um, for the first time ever, we are teaching um, our Cultivate Connection curriculum live online for a thousand reasons. We haven't done that before, and um, it will not be a regular offering going forward. Um, we may do it again, but there is nothing set in stone to have a regular scheduled um Cultivate Connection course online being offered all the time. Uh, we still do believe, as we always have, that this class is best served up live, in person, with facilitators who are in your community, who can be uh, active in helping you set up supports for your family and helping you set up supports for other families as well. Um, obviously, the 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 best case scenario for parents is that we are getting to do this thing in real authentic community. And uh, this is one of, we think the best ways to facilitate that is through the Cultivate Connection course being taught live online. For some of you, you don't have a facilitator in your area or the time constraints are such that uh, with your family dynamic, you're not able to make it happen. And we get that. So we are offering it online. You can find the online signups at empoweredtoconnect.org um, or you can go to the link in our bio um, on Instagram you can check out the show notes below. Basically, if you follow ETC in any way, form, or fashion, you can find the link for this. Also live right now, speaking of those classes being taught live in person, are our facilitator registrations. So one of the things I wanted to remind um, all of you of, if you are um, already beginning to play that role of supporting families in your community and um, helping them through that process of becoming trauma-informed parents, um, becoming connection-aware parents. Um, this is for you. Uh, we are looking for folks who are um, ready and willing to take that dive into becoming a Cultivate Connection facilitator and teach the courses uh, live in your community. And that uh, is something that we are um, almost done with registrations for. So we still have a few spots open. Um, you can find the registration form on empoweredtoconnect.org in the show notes, in the bio, of course, um, just like the registrations for the online course. So uh, those are two things I wanted to remind you of. Our last thing is um, we are really, really thankful to uh, 
all of you who follow us um, on YouTube, who are subscribed to our, our channel on YouTube. Um, we just had a huge milestone um, recently. We crossed over 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, and we are uh, really grateful for all of that. But wanted, for those of you who don't know, we have a YouTube channel to introduce you to it. So our YouTube channel uh, can be found by going to YouTube and searching for Empowered to Connect, or you can simply type Empowered to Connect after youtube.com on your web browser. Uh, you can find us there. There are hours upon hours upon hours of video resources from all of our podcast episodes to um, videos from Dr. Karen Purvis and Michael and Amy Monroe. Uh, some of our uh, therapists are on there as well. Um, we have Jesse Ferris, one of our ATC trainers, teaching uh, play personalities on and on and on and on. Um, you can also catch all of our animations and shorts there as well. So we've got lots of stuff there for you. Just wanted to direct you to that. If you are not one of those 10,000 subscribers, we would love for you to be um, so you can see all of the most up-to-date video resources that are coming your way through Empowered to Connect. Uh, and lastly, I said that was last. That wasn't last. This is last. <laughs> lastly, if you've not left us a rating or review on uh, Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please do so. It does help us to get um, everyone who might be searching for content like this um, into our kind of algorithm and um, get our show um, placed in front of new audiences that might not have seen it before. And so um, a rating and a review takes about five minutes or less to do, and it, it is immensely helpful for us in making sure that anyone who is looking for content like this is able to easily find it. So that is all for now. Thank you so much uh, for uh, listening. Now, without any further ado, here are uh, Lauren Wentz, Dr. Matt Smith, and I talking about sibling conflict. <laughs> All right. Well, as we said in the opening, we've got uh, Tana Ottinger with us. We've also got Dr. Matt Smith back again um, after talking about ADHD a few episodes ago. And today, Lauren Wentz. And so we wanted to introduce you guys uh, to Lauren. She's not been on the podcast yet, but she is a therapist with us in the Family Connection Center. And so um, I, I would say, Lauren, before we jump into the whole topic, if you just want to introduce yourself to those who are listening, and, and though you have a giant following, some people might not have heard of you yet, you know, from... <laughs> <laughs> so would you just kind of share who you are and what your work looks like here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as JD said, my name is Lauren Wentz. I am a mother to two. I have a teenager and um, a preschooler. Um, can't really call him a toddler anymore. Um, <laughs> Wait. And so let's keep that in mind as I'm talking about sibling challenges today in this podcast that I've, I've got this huge age gap that we're navigating. Um, but I'm a therapist here on staff at MFCC. I see um, kids. I see families. I see adults. Um, yeah, I'm a Memphian, born and raised here. Awesome. I love serving this population in our community. Sweet. Um, so we wanted to talk today about something that um, I, I think as we talked, all of us hear about this. And obviously I would say in my situation, not, not in a therapeutic context, but just friends talking around dinner tables or at whatever, basketball practices or whatever, um, about sibling conflict or, or you know, I, I don't think we want to go so specific as sibling rivalry necessarily, but that term gets thrown out all the time. Um, and so we wanted to, uh, much, much like how we've talked about uh, both anxiety and uh, sleep issues, not come on here and say, here's the three steps to eliminating sibling conflict because um, those three steps do not exist universally. Uh, but we want to give some frameworks for how do we do this in a connected way. Um, Matt, before we started recording, you said it used to be easy. You just separate them. You go to your room, you go to your room. That's it. 
problem solved. Come back when you're ready to solve this problem. <laughs> and yet um, that does pose a problem. And so why don't we, why don't we even start there in the, um, and, and if that sounds like I am making fun of that way of parenting, I am not. That, that was where I resided for the first several years of parenting. That's how, you know, I, the home I grew up in was, was that way. Um, and it was, it was not out of some mean intent. It was simply best available, you know, practices in the moment. Um, and so I think why, why would we, Matt, now, uh, probably advise against that way of thinking when it starts coming to sibling conflict? <laughs> Well, yeah. So uh, we're we're all about relationships and connection around here, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we want we want what's best for our kids. We want what's best for us. We want to be uh, connected as adults. We want to model that for our kids. We want to teach them how to resolve conflict in a connected manner, or, or at least where connection is there on the backside. Right. So, um, but I will say, I mean, even as we were talking just, just before we started here, uh, there are times where just logistically functionally, at least at the beginning, you might have to have a bit of separation, yeah. right? You might have to separate two kids who are, you know, going at each other, not necessarily physically, but even verbally, um, uh, just depending on what the situation is, how, how much, what, you know, what's the chaos index at that moment in your household. And, uh, and, and so I think the difference is, is that we might start with a period of separation of, of siblings, whether it's two or more, but at some point we're going to come back to address whatever issues, because as we say all the time around here, it's not over till it's over, but when it's over, it's over. Right. So this fits into that first part. It's not over until it's over. And sometimes it's just too easy to separate and say, Hey, you know, once they're separate, they'll calm down, everything will be fine. And we don't really have to go back and even talk about what happened. Right. But we should. Yeah. Yeah. Tana, you know, obviously parenting a large family, um, not that you guys have ever had conflicts between siblings because that, that wouldn't happen in the Ottinger house, but um, for, for other people, you know, of, right. Um, right. How have you, I mean, we, we talked again before we started recording about just the diversity of, of, of yeah. context and of things. Would you mind just kind of sharing your perspective on this? Yeah, I think, I mean, first, when I think about siblings, it's, that's just a big, like a big bucket. It's a huge topic because, you know, in, in like the rhythm of a family, there's moments where there's like moments of ease and rest. There's moments of like where the temperature in the home might get a little hotter or the relationships might be sort of smooth and then they they might struggle. And I think having a, to me, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, but, um, as a mother to six humans, it's a, to me, it's a lot about my expectations of like, what did I think this whole family dynamic was going to be? How am I showing up in the moment? How am I setting these relationships up for success to sort of Matt's point of like, what's the big goal? I mean, 
when the temperature gets hot and, and relationships that are precious to you might not be going smooth, then I think we just, there's a lot that we could talk about in the middle of that. And so I like thinking about sibling relationships you know, it's individual. There's two people in that situation. And then there's this sort of relationship that needs to be talked about. And then it's all happening in the context of this family unit. So there's so many layers of awareness that are going on um, that, I mean, I'm not minimizing it, but I do think it's about like curiosity and sort of coming at that relationship of like, what are the what are the main things here and how do we foster sibling health and how do we, how do we work through it with um, different, what if you've got different personalities and different um, sensitivities and different preferences and different um, physiological responses to things? What if you've got siblings that have had different histories and different prior experiences, like all of those things um, come into the play that can just sort of show up in the rhythm of a day and the rhythm of interaction. So I think being like empathetically aware is maybe kind of the first step. And then I'm sure Lauren and Matt have like 1 million really good ideas of like how to foster. I, I would say it's about, it's about sibling health and, and how do you foster that? So being respectful and aware and celebratory of differences. And y'all, it's real hard sometimes to celebrate a difference that may be different than you and yeah. might be causing some moment of, of temperature rise in your family. Yeah. So individual yeah. part and whole is part of this conversation, I think. That's good. That's really good, Tom. Lauren, I wonder if you had, you know, I will not ask you for specific stories. Obviously, we're not going to you know do that. Uh, but I wonder if you had a, a, a family come into you and just say, hey, we're going through it. And it's not just every now and then. It feels like it's perpetual. There is a constant conflict between, you know, these two of our, of our uh, kids. It's constantly going on. You know, are there ways apart from what Tom talked about that you would start to kind of address that with, with them? And how would you approach that as a therapist? Yeah, sure. So, Tana, what what you said was it plays out in little bitty ways all throughout the day, right? So we can look at this big general picture of like sibling health, individual health, relationship health, but then like how is it impacting? Um, how is it causing disruptions throughout the day? Mm-hmm. And typically. Um, when you ask parents, they're when they're coming to us, they're they're at their wits' end, you know, yeah. and it, they're they're never getting along. It's all the time. There's nothing they can agree about. But if we really kind of step back and and like Tana said, get curious and look at the why behind behaviors, look at the needs that maybe aren't getting met. Um, typically, we see patterns. You know, I know in, at my own home, our pattern is I've learned it this year. When we all come together, when all five humans and our dog come together, there is chaos. Yeah, and you know, and I had to take a step back to realize that, that actually our whole evenings weren't bad. It was just the transition of all coming together that was really hard. And for some families, it might be when we're all in the car together or dinner time, or night routine or morning routine, you know, it's going to look different for everybody. Um, but I think we just kind of have to step back and get curious of like, what what's not working well? What does each person need in this moment based on all their individual differences and needs? Um, and how can we put some structure in to start trying to meet some of these needs? And and what might that look like? Like if 
would you mind giving an example of just like here, here's, here might be some structure that we might put into place in a specific situation. Sure. I can remember a family that I worked with who, um, being in the car together was just really, really hard the siblings. And so we created, I helped the mom create a structure for like who was going to sit where and how are we going to rotate that to make it feel fair? You know, and I remember that when I was younger, I had front seat for a week, my brother had front seat for a week. Right. And we rotated it out. There was no confusion about that. And so it can be just little things as simple as that. Um, Or, or seating for children who tend to not get along as well as others, figuring out um, how to change the seating so that maybe they're not sitting next to the sibling who's causing more conflict for them. Mm. Um, It may look like, um, staggering bedtimes, right? It may look like tag teaming with whoever you're co-parenting with, if you're co-parenting with somebody, right? It may look like, hey, me and this particular child seem to have a lot of struggles at night when I'm trying to put them to bed. Maybe we need to switch this up. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll put this other kiddo to bed while you put this one to bed. So, you know, it's hard to give tangibles when there's so many different scenarios, but I think it's just looking back to say, what, where is the conflict specifically Mm -hmm. happening and is there a different structure we could put in place to address it? Matt, uh, does that bring up anything when you hear that, thinking about, you know, putting some structure in place? And then, you know, if we're looking at, we get some structure put in place, does that then allow us to start really trying to get to the root of some of these issues? I think so. I mean, uh, Tana, as you were talking a minute ago, I just thought about, this is just another case where we have to meet our children where, where they are. Uh, You have to meet the individual child where they are. And I realized with, you know, sibling conflict, there's more than one child and they, they have different needs and they may have competing needs and uh, two children acting a certain way in a certain moment don't necessarily have the same needs. Right. So that's, part of the, um, the, the connection, uh, event, you know, after conflict is sitting down with that child, uh, or at least, you know, (laughs) the children individually when they're regulated and talking through what do you need? Uh, and what, what, how, how can we meet this need better in the future so that you guys, um, have a better, you know, how would that scenario play, play out better if you knew that, you know, you were good, your needs were going to be met. And this doesn't, this doesn't prevent conflict, right? It's going to happen again. It's not like, oh, we just had this conversation and, you know, within five minutes after they're back out of the room again, they're going to be into it again, possibly. But what you're doing is you're planting seeds and, uh, and that's what you want. You want them to be more aware of what their own needs are. And what are you really doing when you have that conflict or when you start that conflict or when you, uh, <laughs> when, when you escalate the conflict? Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think there's uh, that's that needs to be part of the structure. Um, it, and also, you didn't necessarily ask this question, J.D., but I'll, I'll go ahead and sort of <laughs> answer it before the question. But it makes me also think about just some of our powerful connect, connection tools, you know, that we, that we teach our families, like redo and repair. Um, and let's 
let's use some of these opportunities and say, hey, you know, if this had played out differently, what do you think that would have looked like? And how could, can we can see if you can get some buy-in on doing, doing a redo with the sibling conflict situation? Um, and, Matt, and you said a second ago, I think what might be the key phrase here, you said, you know, and once they're regulated, and I feel like you breeze over that. <laughs> massive part. Well, right. And, and actually asking what do you need is a, is, is a way to help them get to a yeah. place of regulation, right? Because they could, they could be mad. I mean, some siblings, depending on, again, their neurobiology, their personality, they could yeah. be mad for hours. They may yeah. have to go to sleep before they can re-regulate. And you may have to talk to them about it the next day. Mm-hmm. And as Tana, we've talked before about like, you know, at some point in every one of these episodes, the fingers point back at us as parents, right? Um, and Matt, you said something that I, I would have been taught my granddad never. You don't let the sun set in your anger. That That is not okay, whether it's a conflict with your spouse or siblings or whatever. And Tana, thank you for shaking your head. Would you address yeah. that? I, I think curiosity is is the key here. And um, I'm thinking about, you know, some of our kids are older now and um, just how this like plays out over time, I think is part of what we want to think about. Like there's sort of this in the moment hot tension that sometimes can happen. And then it's why I'm like, let's make sure we're thinking about the relationship as a whole. We want things to go easier. I love Lauren. You took us like straight to the moment when everybody's trying to walk in the door, get settled and eat dinner. That's like the day-to-day moment when it gets hot. Yeah. But if there's like constant tension there and maybe they're, you know, tweens or teens are getting a little older. I love this idea of like coming at them, not from a like, Hey, we've got to stop this business. We need to cut this out. Like that's a tone that's, that is not going to necessarily create felt safety for the individual as part of that, that stress, that stressful moment to get curious. So coming at a teen or tween and being like, Hey honey, I, I want to help support you. And I want to like help figure out what's maybe going on here. Do you have any ideas do you have like give them the freedom inside that that adult child relationship to be honest about what they're feeling? I'm really mad at so and so. It seems unfair. Such and such happens. They're getting on my nerves. Like whatever's really happening there. Like create an opportunity for them to feel like you can see them and support their lived reality. Okay, their experienced truth. However shaded or jaded or cloudy it really is, just be safe. And then you get to sort of say, I wonder what's going on inside of you. And then they feel felt. And then you're modeling this like curiosity. At some point, you're going to know when it's safe to ask them to think about the other person's experience. It it happens. It's You can't come at it first. Yeah. And it may not happen the first time, but at some point you can say, okay, what do you think might be going on with the other person? What do you think their experience at that moment was? What do you think was happening? And you're modeling curiosity and empathy and compassion. And then you're like going to collaborate through the moment to get to some solutions. And that does not happen in the moment. That is so outside the moment. That's the next day. That's this weekend at ice cream at Sonic. That is that's not in the moment. That is this curiosity. And so you begin to help siblings learn who they are. 
Yeah. Like you, you can create an environment where there's like a high, like emotional IQ in the family where like, I remember when we first started talking about stress responses and just helping them like celebrate their own as not like that their siblings stress response isn't worse than theirs. Yep. It's different. I'm sorry, honey. I know you might be a freezer and society thinks that's wonderful. And your sibling oh. might be a fighter and society thinks that's awful, but baby, they're the same. Yeah. Yep. And so something can happen. I'm just, I have, I just believe that the hottest moments have so much capacity for self-reflection mm. and growth and empathy, but it's not about making them only see the other person's side. They need to feel felt and seen too. I'm sure mountain, I'm going to stop and let y'all get some feedback, but I'm just like, man, sibling dynamics and rivalry. You're such a good spot to like, love your kids. Well, I know that y'all are being like, Tana, we hate you right now. Stop talking about this. Like it's positive, but it is. It can be such a good moment of just love and care. Right. Yeah, I I hope to yeah. experience that one day. Um, Lauren, I, think, I know. Sorry. <laughs> I, well, no, I I joke because we are just you know in the stage that we're at with kids so close together in this season. Like it, today, things are awesome, and and just you know throughout the day, it's just like the ups and downs. Lauren, I saw your wheels turning while Tana was talking mm-hmm. just now. Um, I think you know one of the things I'd love for us to look at is are there um, when it comes to actually engaging with the siblings together. We I think we're 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 pretty set on sometimes it needs to be some one-on-one time with parent and each individual that was a part of the conflict. When it comes time to try to start building bridges back or building relationships either back or for the first time between those siblings, Lauren, what, what advice would you give families who are, who are trying to, to start that together? And I, I would guess it varies with age, right? Yeah. And I, I guess that would be the first step It's like, let's step back and look at what our expectations are. And are they realistic, right? Because just because we're in a family together doesn't mean that we always have to get along. Just because we're siblings doesn't mean that we're going to be best friends one day. Um, But we have to learn to respect each other and work together as a family. So I think like that's the first step is just, you know, changing our own expectations about what we're expecting them, what, you know, what they're not always going to have the capacity to. Yeah, that's really good, Lauren. So, and so what does that look like? I mean, it could be, um, like Tana talked about modeling empathy. And then once we are able to validate and let a kid feel seen and heard, then we can start to teach empathy. Right. And so like Matt and I were talking about this diagram the other day. I don't know if y'all seen it. It's a cartoon. Um, and it talks about like fair is not equal. And so there's three children that are three different heights and they're standing behind a fence and you give them all a box that's the same size and it's not fairness. You know, only one's going to be able to see over the fence and the other two um, don't have enough support. And so when you give them different sized boxes or stools to stand on, then they can all see over the fence. And so teaching kids that like, yes, you know, your sibling does struggle really bad with this, you know, one issue, like this is really hard and it can be really frustrating and it can really disrupt parts of our day. This is why this might be happening. This is what your sibling needs in this moment. You know, this is this part of the day can be really hard for you and this is what you need. And so you're teaching like this is all a give and take, right? We're going to have to show support um, towards one sibling at some moments and at some at some moments you're going to need that support. So we're just building that empathy. 
That's really, really good. I wrote fair isn't equal on my notes to make sure we said that. Like that has, that was a major mindset shift in our family. And I remember they were probably tween and teen when we started really having to talk about that. And y'all like, I feel like it's done them well into it, into this young adult stage. Like I know it's hard to broach some of those things and you don't ever want to pit a sibling in the family as the hard one or the bad. Right, or the right, problem. Right. Like we've got to be so careful to just navigate those waters with caution and compassion. And you're not, it's not always going to work out. You're not always going to do it perfectly. Okay. You're not, but, but really fostering curiosity and, you know, dad and I are here to do our best to take care of each child the way they need. And, I mean, I remember a couple of times being like, honey, I, I know that's hard. Aren't, can you just put yourself in the other person's shoes a minute? And like, it's probably harder for them than it is you. Can you, can we just do that for a minute? And then, then we're going to get up and I don't mean that to shame you. Like navigating this without shaming is tricky. I yeah. don't know. It's, it's a tricky spot. Well, I think that's where the redo comes in. Like, we're not saying you should be doing this differently. You know, you yes. don't, you know, you should or shouldn't. It's more like, Hey, could we try that again a different way? And once that, once we've tried to build those empathy skills and model that for them, I think it becomes easier over time. Uh, Matt, I want to ask, you know, when a situation like this turns into uh, not just the chronic, all this happening all the time, if there's ever, you know, sometimes we hear of like, and, and stereotypically, there's the picture of the big brother bullying the little brother or the big sister, but like, you know, big sibling bullying is a, a stereotypical thing that's talked about real lightheartedly all the time. Sometimes when you're in it, it does not feel so lighthearted. And so how can we, you know, how would you address that issue with parents or, or give them advice to, to kind of set a framework for that in their house? Right. I mean, I think that sometimes it helps in, in that, in those types of situations, if you can build a little bit of an alliance with that older child and, this is delicate, right? Because you don't want to make it seem like you, you don't want to parentify that child and make yeah. them think that somehow now they're responsible for, you know, other siblings' emotional well-being uh, right. as a whole. But but you can enlist their help. And I think it starts with um, them feeling felt and them getting empathy from you as the parent. But then I think that it's, it is appropriate. Just like when, you know, older kids get, they get harder chores, but they also get paid more (laughs) to do those chores if they, you know, get an allowance or, you know, whatever. They're, they're sort of rewarded in a way with more responsibility and, uh, and, and just having them, uh, having them as an ally, if you can, if you can foster that sense with them um, that, that they can actually help create better connection in the family. Uh, And yeah, but again, making sure their, their needs are met too. Um, That, that can be one way that you go about it. Yeah. Matt, I, I think, of a, a, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Lauren, please. I'm just go. thinking of a, a small example in my family of how that played out. So I told you I have a teenager and then I have a preschooler. And so we can imagine who's the one that's always expected 
to do more and better as my teenager. Right. And we're constantly telling him, you're not, you're not the parent. You're not the parent. Stop trying to parent your sibling. Um, and one day I, I think I said, you know, you're not his, his parent, you're his brother. And he said, thank you for, for saying that. I was like, well, you know, you're his brother, you know that. And he said, but you never say it. You just always say, I'm not the parent. And so I feel like I don't, I'm not important. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now it's it's sort of a joke between us and our hardest times will be like, but you're his brother, right? And then we can all like stop and have a, have a lighthearted laughing moment. But I think yeah. because I have all these high expectations of him because he is the older one, he is, his brain is more developed. Um, I'm missing all of his needs in that moment. Like I'm a part of this family too. I'm a brother too, right? Um, I think a little JD, when I think about sort of that, that idea of like, if there's bullying or something sort of happening in a home that isn't something that you like can let go on, Yeah, there's a phrase. And I mean, I don't know, I'd be curious. I don't know that I've asked Matt, you know, and Lauren specifically, how do you feel about this therapeutically? So please feel free, like on this podcast live to be like, yeah, it's on a no. Okay. So I'm going to throw this out and <clears throat> tell me what you think. Um, and it was in, it was in the context of like creating felt safety around like sort of physical aggression and verbal aggression. So the way you could approach the older child is something like, Hey, this is a safe place and I wouldn't let somebody bully you. And so I can't let you bully your younger sibling because this is a safe place. And so you frame it like, Hey, I'm going to, I would protect you at this level at this age. So I'm also going to protect the younger one at this age And I I wouldn't say protect because that's going to make them seem like they're a bad guy. But Mm. I wonder if you could like frame it and like, we're not going to do this behavior because I wouldn't let somebody do that I to you. So we're going to nip that in the bud. Now I want to know why you feel the need to do that. Do you need my support? Do you need some structure? How can I help you come to me for help? Like you've got to be available very available, physically, emotionally present to provide the, fill the need between the, like whatever's happening in that moment. What are y'all's thoughts about that, Matt and Lauren? That phrasing. Yeah. That phrasing, because it makes us all equal. Right. And then then the most important part is though, but let, let's still meet whatever need was met. Like, let's figure out yeah. what are you feeling right now and what else can you do besides take that feeling out on your sibling? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's good too, Tana, because you're, you're also inserting your feelings as the parent there. And, and I think that's, I think that's appropriate to say, you know, like I love all of, all of you. Kids. I love yeah. all of you and I don't want anything bad to happen to any of and I don't want to encourage any, you know, any sort of bad behavior between you. And so, I, you know, it, it, I think it's okay to say it, it hurts me mm-hmm. if you hurt them, just like it would hurt me if they were hurting you, if they, if they were the bigger or yeah. the older kid, if they were hurting you that way. Right. And so uh, there's, there's some to, to, <laughs> I mean, I think kids know this, but I think sometimes it's good to just put it out there that, yeah. that, Hey, as a parent, I have feelings about this and, and my feelings are to, you know, encourage peace and not see people hurt. 
mm-hmm. whether you use the word, you know, protect or, you know, whatever, like I want to protect all of you. Right. Yeah. 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 I want you all to be uh, safe. My job, quote unquote, my yes. role to create safety, emotional, physical, felt safety. So that's that. That's when you're like, I'm providing this for you. Now you're going to help me provide this for them and vice versa. So that's that collaborative piece that um, I think is part of the puzzle. It's yeah. not just stop, 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 quit, quit, quit. It's, well, what else do you do instead? What's mm-hmm. the alternative to this moment of tension? Yeah. And yeah. are you really available to help me or am I on my own here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's really good. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Guys, as we kind of wrap this conversation up, I mean, I, I think there are variations of this we could talk about all, all day long, but um, any last thoughts of just kind of, you know, parting words, we're about to leave our therapy appointment with you guys. Like any last words that you would want to give uh, to parents as we close this out today? I, I heard something a while back. Uh, Tana, it was actually at a train the trainer event. I heard somebody say that they read some research that indicates that when siblings fight, they're actually trying to get closer to each other. And that's not a, it's not a conscious thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like an adaptive like, strategy or something, right? I I, well, right. I don't, I don't even know if that's true. Like I can't find the research that shows that if, if I could find it, you know, if anybody listening can find it and send us a link to it, you know, that would be great. I, I like I find it useful though to um, for mm-hmm. for parents sometimes to just say that to their kids. But, hey, you know when you fight, when you guys fight, did you know you're trying to get closer to each other? <laughs> A little what is that just reverse child psychology or something? There, Doctor Matt. Right? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Totally. Yeah. 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 It does talk. feel like it could be bids for connection though. Like in our language, like there's something going on. They're trying to work out this relationship somehow or another. Right. Yeah. Cause there's, if you do not care about the, the actions against you, then you're just like, well, it's the idea. you know, it doesn't bother yeah. the same way. It's, it's often not acceptable to have a sibling that seems completely content with whatever it is that they're doing and it's without you. So you want to interject yourself into whatever it is they're doing and say, Hey, you need to pay attention to me. Right. And that's the way some of these conflicts start. So true. So true. Lauren. Yeah. Just, I mean, I think, don't hesitate to, to seek support if it feels unmanageable, right? Um, if we feel worried about future impacts that this is having on our children, um, you know, that could look like family therapy or um, sibling therapy, individual therapy, whatever that might look like. That's good. I mean, that's a very concise but powerful like piece of advice. Yeah. Tana, last thoughts last before we close out. I'm thinking about we were um, getting some supplies to put in our Memphis Family Connection Center therapy lobby, and I was reaching out to different staff. What would you recommend? What would you recommend? And Lauren, I think it was you that sent me a message and was like, what about these, you know, child parent journals? And I I think that um, that's coming to my mind in terms of like, um, what what kind of bids for connection are happening? Who's yeah. needing help? What how, how why is the stress level? What what needs are not being met? 
And I'll, I'll just say that I do think that there's some fundamental like realization that we meet our children's needs individually. So these like parent child journals or opportunities for them to feel like they, we see them as an individual. And I know that there's all kinds of cultural and societal things we could talk about, but like individuals make up a whole. And so if we're needing some sibling dynamic health, make sure you're meeting their individual needs and then figuring out how to foster that relationship connection through support. So maybe it would be to Lauren's point about getting some individual help or some sibling therapy or some family therapy or using a journal or giving them like, if you're really mad at your sibling, babe, here's a journal, write and tell me all about it. Tell me what you're feeling or something. Just find a, a healthy pathway yeah. of communication and need meeting mm-hmm. rather than just saying, stop fighting. That doesn't actually produce real change and help them solve the problem. Yeah. So collaborate with them, I guess is my word. And and I would say, like Lauren Tagon, I know that you are not saying to threaten, if y'all don't stop fighting, I'm gonna make y'all go sit and live there together. Like, oh, so no. That's not how we're going to approach that help, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No. And we laugh, but I, I mean, I will just put my hand up and as an, as a, you like it might point. come out of your mouth one night. And yeah. Like I've worked, I've worked through it and I've apologized, for it. but then, yeah. I mean, that was something that I've said before, like, like I'm out of answers, What like we'll set y'all down with someone, you know? So like, uh, that, that didn't go over well, doesn't go over well, doesn't help, didn't help. Um, so just yeah. skip the pain yourself and don't do that. And we can be thankful for repair, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate y'all. We've got some things. To, I think I need to like call a few siblings and check in how everybody's <laughs> doing. I've got a little work to do tonight. So appreciate y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Well, that was a great and helpful episode. Um, hopefully there was something for you to take away in it. Um, I will say that just the, the framework and just the reminders um, that um, Dr. Smith and that Lauren laid out were, were super um, helpful and um, have been something that we've been um, talking about since recording it. And so um, that was great. And I'm, I'm very appreciative to both of them for coming on today. Uh, don't forget, if you are wanting to sign up for the online course, uh, you can do that at EmpowerToConnect.org. If you are wanting to apply to become a facilitator for Empowered to Connect, please make sure you get those applications in soon. They will close um, soon in March. So for everybody here at Empowered to Connect, for um, Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Ted Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast, and everybody on the ATC team, I'm J.D. Wilson, and we will see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast.